Hi, this is Josh Bear. You're listening to the 11 o'clock podcast, and I feel like I'm doing a cameo. Dial me up for cameos. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Sure. Yes. Felt good. I'm yes. Good. It, it we was on point tonight. It was strong. Well, I have to be on point with the guest. So not just any guest. Right. Yeah, well, don't spill the beans because they can't hear any of it. Yes, yeah, we've, only, we've only spilled the beans I was gonna time say. since the Theo Klaus was built. Maybe they didn't know we were talking, we were talking about it. Right, yeah. Anyway. I kept fucking up his name, right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so cute. Oh my goodness. Two times this week. People playing along at home, you can make this happen every day. Just throw money at us. And we'll do it every day. It's true. I would love to do it. Contact your senators, congressmen, and Sirius XM. Yes. Right. This is the best. And you are listening to the best because it is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 837. Damn. And I am a very refreshed Vince B. I like it when you're refreshed. We are one episode away from a palindrome. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And you guys are my neighbors because I'm Puzzle Man. Oh, I like the sound of that, too. It's Puzzle Man. You screwed up. You screwed up big time. Look what you did. You're not Puzzle Man. You're Jason Wood, everybody. You can find out what that means later. Uh, and what's that I hear? Do we have little little tiny pitter? far distance. Yes, yeah, sitting in the corner. Who is that, Jason? We, it, first of all, we're, we're time shifting because we are recording this on our. It's morning time for our guest, so it's a, for probably for a surreal experience to be. We're talking to you from the future. That's right. That's right. Um, well, we we told you all who was coming aboard. I don't remember if we told you specifically this episode, but we are very excited because uh, it's been a long time coming. But joining us in the fourth chair tonight, fresh off of his amazing 2023 EOC logo that he bestowed upon us a few weeks ago. This gentleman, most of you know, in fact, quite a ridiculous amount of you know, as the co-creator and artist behind one of Webtoon's smashing success stories, Urban Animal, along with Justin Jordan, his writing partner. This is, of course, our longtime friend and artist extraordinaire, Mr. John Amore. What's up, John? Hey, hey hello, everybody. Good morning. I'm talking to you from the future. <laughs> That's right. Friday's all right. Works out. Okay, so Friday's going to be a good day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. We all coast successfully. Nice. <laughs> and uh, we have to give it on up for the people that made this possible. And you know who it is. We say it every episode because it's true. It is our butamus patrons. Yes. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics 11 no apostrophe. Audio, video, images, downloads, the whole nine yards. And as we always say, the best part of it, the icing on top of that delicious cake is the dedicated Slack channel. Find out what it's all about by going to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. We'd love to have you in the family. This is true. Yep. Yes. Are you in honor of our guest, Vince? Are you drinking anything? I'm not. Well, I am drinking something, but it's not. It's not alcoholic. I. But it is peach, so I don't know if that means anything. 
Um, it no, it's flavored sparkling water beverage with other natural flavors. Peach uh, water. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, s- since we're recording this in the morning, I too am drinking mm. non-alcoholic beverages. I'm having <laughs> coffee, and uh, I'm going to wash that down with some delicious Gatorade Zero lemon lime flavor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quite a combo. <laughs> For sure. That's right. Oh, man. What electrolytes, drinking, electrolytes and caffeine. Need them, you know. Perfect. To great taste. Mm-hmm. Right. What are you drinking, John? Well, it's 10 a.m. for me, so I'm having French pressed coffee, no milk, no sugar. It's pure black. Nice. See, I figured I was expecting Vince to actually have coffee since you're in the morning. I figured at least two of you would have had something. I'm 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 drinking Irish coffee just without the coffee. This is um, Whistle Pig Farm Stock Rye Whiskey. It's actually it's a blend of straight rye and rye whiskey from uh, Vermont, Canada, and Indiana. That's neat. A, no, that's ice. a big spread. Vermont, that is Indian, Canada. Can, uh, yes, Canada. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Now that's out of the way. Let's get to, <laughs> let's get down to business. I got to talk to this man. I want to talk process. All right, push us out of the way, why don't you? No, okay. no. We, 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 hey, st- start us off then, dude. If you're no, ready to no, no, no. I I can't jump into process initially. I would like to know okay. the gestation of urban animal. Where did it come from? How did it? I mean, we know, but they don't know. The listeners, that's most true. of them. And also, let's frame it a little bit because. If you go to webtoons.com or the app itself and you look at it, you will see a little indicia with an eyeball, meaning people that have seen and read this comic. And it currently stands at, wait for it, everybody, 34.5 million. Wow. That's half what we pull in. It is. It's almost the same size (laughs) as our audience. It's big numbers. and, (laughs) And the next thing is people subscribe to it, and that stands at well over 500,000 people subscribed to this. awesome. And, and, you know, that is, you know, and John, I've been wanting to ask you this once you finally came on. I know we've chatted about it, like, on messaging over the years, but I I wonder if if how that feels for you and if you, if you and Justin conceptualize that relative to what would be perceived as a successful effort from a from an eyeball's perspective, if you were making a, a U.S. print comic, right? I mean, it's just night and day. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, to be honest, the uh, the day that the first episode dropped, I don't know. I don't know about Justin specifically, but I had a panic attack as soon as I saw the numbers because, like, I was just working on this thing, and you know, I I had been working on it in comics for about uh, about eight years at that at that point. This was 2018, and then. I was used to a certain number of eyeballs uh, on the books that I was working on because I had been previously published by IEW and Image, and I knew the numbers that those books pulled in. And then when the first episode of Urban Animal dropped, we got something like 5,000 likes within the first hour. So if we go by the general rule of like views, that would have been like 50,000 views in the first hour. And I was like, what? There's that many people seeing the work, and I, I legit had a panic attack, and I, I didn't know what to do the rest of that morning. It was fun, it was exciting, it was scary, but it was very uh, gratifying because the outpouring of like positivity in the comments, uh, a lot of 
comic artists don't really have that, right? Because it's such a solitary uh, career or profession. And so that was a really welcome change for me. I can imagine. I mean, I, I, I just, those numbers are so stunning. And, and I know you do listen to the show and I appreciate that. And we were talking about, we had the manga episode a month or so ago. You know, we made the point about how it's so much more mainstream manga and, and how, it, you know, it's not unusual for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people to read something. But, you know, but here in the States, it's just, you know, we used to have it that way, but it's just not like that anymore. And I'm curious if, um, you know, like you said, you, you guys started this and launched it in 2018. So uh, for a big chunk of its success, unfortunately, you've you've all we've had to deal with the global pandemic. So I have you had an opportunity yet to like experience the popularity or the or the the fanaticism of it um, like in person? Have you have you been able to do any cons in the last you know year or two that that make you give you a real sense of like the fandom or is it just basically still online because of the nature of it? Uh, basically still online. It's uh, it's a full-time job for me, uh, as you can imagine, uh, drawing and coloring the thing. Uh, I believe Justin has had interactions with fans at uh, various con- uh, conventions. I have been trying uh, to get over there for some conventions, possibly Heroes this year. But uh, since the pandemic, really, it's been difficult. But hopefully this year. We'll see. Um Rocket Ship, the the outfit, uh, the the publisher that handles the physical editions, uh, they're always at all the major cons. So last November, they were at NYCC, and uh, they had a good turnout over there, and probably sold a whole, a whole bunch of titles. But they also cover like Let's Play and all the other webtoon stuff. So we are part of that group. So for sure, we had fans there at Booth Two. So you are up to um, episode one thirty three, if I'm not mistaken, right? Wow! Yeah. And that is yeah. the uh, the mid season finale. But I believe this is also billed as the last season. So take us through the the arc there, and um, you know what 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 prompted you and Justin to opt to to call it a wrap after this season? Oh, uh, we had previously planned to do six seasons. Uh, this is something that we actually announced. Uh, in the season one Q and A, when fans were asking how long this thing was going to last, and we we have an outline for six seasons, but then Webtoon offered to make season five a uh, a, a double sized one, so we opted for that since we don't want to pad the story out too much uh, per se, and we want to just keep it lean. We're not we don't really believe in fillers, so we wanted to keep the story as lean as possible, and and instead of doing six seasons. Uh, as mentioned, we do a double-sized fifth season that is split into two parts. So uh, conceptually, it'll feel like six seasons, but really it's just one long arc. Um, I don't know uh, where you guys have read up to, but I will say that the fifth season is essentially our uh, Infinity War and Endgame, where <laughs> a whole a whole chunk of the world just goes to shit. And it's up to Joe and the other Chimera to find a way to fix it. And uh, essentially, uh, they're up against the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. But in our world, the Four Horsemen are representations of the four elements. So it's Earth, Fire, Wind, and Water. And they are sentient. uh, They're elementals, but destructive. So 
it's it's going to be a whole bunch of animal people trying to deal with sentient calamities uh, all throughout the season and it's been fun to draw it's been difficult uh, but it's been very challenging but uh, at the end of the day i think fans are really going to enjoy it because it's it's straight up kaiju stuff all throughout this final season so it's it's been crazy it sure is um the numbers we talked about initially um i can understand why they're so high because i think the strip even though we're dealing with kaiju and 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 um you know monster battle it's a very handsome strip like even the even the characters that you know one wouldn't uh, or shouldn't be attracted to like like Corkendale. He's an you know older dude. He's, he's his th- hair's thinning. There's still like a an attractiveness to him. But that said, I just got to know: Are all the women in this universe hot? Because <laughs> it, you, you, the, if, Phoebe's my dream girl. I don't know if you cracked open my skull and peered it because that's my template. But like Charlotte and Mom, they're all attractive. Even the men are super handsome. And I'm thinking, man, interesting. No, very. I, I, I'm, you know, initially when I was uh, first started it, I was like, this is mm. very pleasing to my eye. Yep. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I guess that's just how I tend to draw characters. Um, I'm heavily influenced by anime and and manga, mm-hmm. and of course Western comics as well. And like, I just like drawing the characters to feel uh, aesthetically pleasing. And a fun fact is that the main cast of UA is um this wasn't intentional, and I noticed this midway through the season. But like the 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 team or the main group. It's practically Gen 13. So you've got um, <laughs> Phoebe is Fairchild. Oh, boy. Uh, Charlotte is Roxy. Uh, Paolo is Grunge. Sean is Burnout. I forget his name. name. Um, uh, I hesitate to say the other names because I'm not sure how far you got. But I will say uh, Kagan is practically vampirella so she's just thrown in there not a member of gen 13 obviously but right we needed that extra spice and then joe is the peter parker character yes yeah i uh, see a lot of peter and joe yeah yeah yep but the cool thing about it is um unlike peter who shoulders the weight of the entire world on on his uh on his back because he really can't or doesn't reveal his alter ego to the world it's nice and it was extremely welcome to see the band get in on it not too long into it like we didn't have to wait forever for someone to to be to you know what i mean to get in on the 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 whole joe's plight because it it's it has to be hard uh doing this on your own you know not having anybody but an old man who can turn into rats um as as a companion but that's one of the things that i really love about the early part of the strip is that that door is opened pretty early into the story which is great yeah that was by design um justin is a huge buffy the vampire slayer fan so her secret is revealed to her main group pretty early on as well and i guess the advantage of letting a lot of people in on the secret is that the stakes get higher, right? Because they're now at risk. Right. And we wanted to play with that that feeling of risk very early on and establish that. Like, anybody could die. And, you know, we have a list. We have a kill list. 
<laughs> but I mean, even for the on the on the uh, process side, the, the the writing the story, it, it has to be exhausting to try and manipulate the events in order to keep you know the the hero's alter ego secret. Right. And in this, it, there's just a natural unfolding. Like most of the people that matter know. Right. And it, it's, it seems like there's a, uh, not a lightheartedness to it, but, um, more of an organic, uh, progression to things like that's not hinged on the mechanics of keeping this thing secret just because. Right. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. And, uh, I'm not again. Once again, I'm not sure how far into the series you got, but season one hinges on a very important secret that gets revealed at the end. We we build up to that secret, and like right. full credit to Justin for figuring out a way to keep the the story compelling while hinging on that major plot point that happens at the very end. And he he did that by you know enriching all the characters separately and creating a sense of growing, uh, uh, mounting uh, an ominous feeling up right. until the very end. And we, we had planned the Battle of the Bands uh, from the very beginning, and that was going to be the, the, the culmination of the group story. But really after that is when the, the personal story really hits. And those are some of my favorite episodes of the first season, is uh, 20, uh, episode 24 onward. Mm -hmm. That was really fun. Yeah, it opens up. Um, mm -hmm. initially when you started, uh, uh, it, is it digital or is it physical? I'm guessing it's digital, right? Completely digital. Okay. I, I can't imagine going through a physical process <laughs> for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you were, um, you sitting down and you're putting stylus to, to tablet or whatever, and you know, did you have a thought of, well, this may see print someday? I can imagine oh, yeah. that it was super um, difficult to format it for what is essentially a very extended vertical. Like, especially in in the in the early chapters, where I think it's even in the first one, where um, Joe's drawing, and you have this massive scroll, and it just fades, fades right into the from from the drawing into like the 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 quote real world and i was like man that's going to be really difficult to replicate that in paper yeah. I, I think it's pretty impossible uh, to replicate it but well the I, team and i had these discussions very early on like do we try to format this in such a way that it can be easily translated into a physical copy later on and then you know it was uh it was a possibility but then we would be we wouldn't be able to take advantage of exactly what webtoon is good at and that is prolonging the gutter so you can extend the time between panels right. and like build up that tension right and because as the as the gutters are wider your anticipation grows and you're able to play with uh, portrait layout panels which is, is something that really works in that in that app but if we had done that if we had somehow designed the comic to be easy to format later on, we would be sacrificing the webtoon advantage. And we decided to just make it good first for webtoon and then worry about the rest later. Because honestly, when season one came out, we had no idea that we would eventually see print. We we didn't plan for that. 
Right. And uh, uh, once season three hit, we got in touch, or actually Rocket Ship got in touch with us, and they offered to be the ones to reformat the whole thing into a physical book. And we left it to them, and then we reviewed what they came up with, and it worked out. Uh, I believe Jason has the hardcover from the Kickstarter, and I do it indeed, reads yes. pretty well. Yeah, I was pretty happy with it, and we are working on getting Volume 2 out this year. Actually, we have meetings in the next couple of months for the for the second Kickstarter. So Awesome. Yeah, yeah. things are rolling. Interesting. I'll tell you, uh, I, I don't have a page down key or page up on my MacBook. Um, so I, and I'm, I'm glad I don't because I actually have to scroll with my, my two fingers to get to the next panel. And I think it's kind of cool. Like you can almost feel that passage of time between events. And I, and I love it. I, I'm glad I don't have a page down key because I'd be like, I'd be smashing it. You, you do, but just not a dedicated actual. Well, right. But I don't want to, I don't want to, no, I, I like scrolling. <laughs> You should. It's 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 like a, a a mini cliffhanger, like get into that next panel, you know. And I think it's I think it's great. And I'm I'll be totally honest. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm not one for for web comics. I'm I, I'm really not. But there's something about you know Joe and his giant monster battle of the 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 week. I just I love it. It's great. And Thanks, the uh, and the women are super cute. <laughs> so Phoebe's your favorite, huh? Oh yeah. Yes, indeed. Have you seen Have you seen Kagan yet? Yes, I. You know, um, the 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 up and Adam go getting blondes. Come on, I just. I, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, you heard the Sue Storm Yeah, back. you know that's Vince's shtick. So. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. I yeah. do love me some Vampirella, but yeah, you know, no, I get it. I, I, I take a blonde over, over her any day. <laughs> so, um, what's the schedule like? Like you said, it's a full time job. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's a weekly. It's released weekly, right? So that's yeah. I was going to ask the same thing. Yes, it's like how, how take us through that process and how long it takes you to 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 make one of these. I presume it takes a week, but <laughs> I'm wondering if you assume you have to build up to it. So, what is the process like? Yeah. So we have six months in between seasons right. because uh, we need that time to actually build up a buffer because once the season starts rolling, that buffer becomes uh, becomes smaller and smaller because it takes me roughly a week and a half to make one episode. It, I used to be faster, but then as the seasons went on, we, got, we added more and more characters. So it becomes a challenge to portray everyone in the caliber that I want them to show up. So, um, yeah, it takes about nine days to create one episode, and that is about roughly uh, 10 to 12 hours of work every day because I I do all the penciling. It's just rough pencils, and then I ink over that, and then I color over that. And uh, on a good day, I can ink and color eight to ten panels. That's characters and backgrounds, everything. And then, of course, that's the fastest I can go. But, like, in general, I don't go that fast. So, yeah, it breaks down to nine days per episode. And it's it's been tough. But uh, because it's a, digital, uh, the pro- it's a digital process, I've been able to, and don't hold this against me, but I'm able to take old panels 
or take the inks from old panels from previous seasons and change the colors or change the light source just so that I have a little bit of breathing room and it gives me a little bit of a break for that panel and it's like a little bit of a shortcut. Love it. Can't tell. I'm sorry, Vince. No, you can't really <laughs> tell. I mean, yeah, I'm such an ogre. Um, it's it, it's it's not apparent that you're doing that. You shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> oh, a lot of people know. It's not a secret. It's no, not a secret. I I oh, think it it yeah. looks great. The your um your layouts are uh, wonderful. Um, I I you ju- you uh, ping pong from like uh, a really close up shot to like a wide shot to a long and then i love that it's not repetitive it's not the same um the characters aren't the same distance from the viewer in every panel i love that you're you're bouncing all over the place uh switching up the camera angles and it's it's wonderful i'm looking at like the cross hatching are you using um whatever manga studio became is it is it uh, Clip, Clip Studio, Studio Paint. Clip Studio Paint. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. They have a crosshatch brush. Yeah, it looks great. Looks really good. Thanks. I try to make it work. I try not to overuse it because it tends to be a little samey, and I don't want the textures to all feel the same. And um, speaking of repetitive, you bring up a, an interesting point, Vince. And I don't think I've ever mentioned this in a previous podcast, but like, you, you know how, especially in this first season, uh, Joe always ends up naked after a transformation, just yes. like Bruce, uh, Bruce yep. Banner. Yep. Because the animals he turns into rips up his clothes. So I needed to sell that, and the only way to do so was for him to have to change outfits every single day. And because it's an ensemble cast, for it to make sense, I needed every single character to change outfits every single day as well, which led to a lot of trips to Pinterest, to to check what the kids are wearing these days, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a uh, that was tough because it's a uh, it's a it's a fairly large cast, and I want everybody to look hip. And as the seasons progress, everybody generally has the same style clothing. Um, Phoebe likes to wear uh, fairly revealing blouses, and mm-hmm. uh, Charlotte wears a certain type of outfit. Uh, Paolo always has a hat or a beanie. And, you know, they, they all have their individual styles, but, like, uh, I needed to make sure that everybody's outfit changes to actually sell the fact that Joe is losing his clothes because it was the only thing that made sense. So I, I, I realize that's very inside baseball, but I figured some of you would find that interesting. Love it. I appreciate, too, that you, you even go so far as to do different lettering techniques you know depending on who's speaking different word balloons like it's it's you know it's little touches like that because again i mean if you're 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 doing everything lock stock and barrel that's got to get i mean that's an extra thing you have to double check and make sure of right that you're like oh make sure i put the right (laughs) word balloon outline with the right character i mean that's that's an extra thing you could have easily just like done standard word balloons for everybody right just probably save yourself the credit it's actually that's actually our lettering wizard, Micah Myers. Micah, right? Oh, uh, okay. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So you don't have to letter it. Well, that's good. Yeah, it saves you some trouble. Because <laughs> everything but the lettering. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, now, do I you... Do, I do enough, Jason. 
<laughs> for sure, for sure. Do you indicate to Micah where you want the pe- the the lettering balloons to be, or is it just is there a, a, a like a symbiotic relationship where you both kind of know where they're going to be placed? Most of the time, he handles it. He's got a good eye for the the composition and the flow of it. But sometimes, uh, very rarely, he will unintentionally cover up something that I need to be. Uh, focused on later on, so I will I will sometimes request that he moves certain things just so that it doesn't mess up the narrative for later. But right. it's it's very rare. He's very good. You are right. What's the um? So so you know webtoons kind of at least from my vantage came out of nowhere uh, back then, and then obviously it's it's, but I think it was already a massive success before some of us were aware of it. Um, but how did you guys end up getting hooked up with webtoons? Because again, where um, I think its reach and its uh, popularity is probably lost on a chunk of our listeners who are focused solely on mainly print or, or digital versions of print U.S. single issue comics, right? But like, it is obviously right. a massive success, and, and there's been lots of. I mean, you guys have been a success. Obviously, Laura Olympus has been a huge success. There's been, there's, I'm sure, a ton of others. There's just the two that I. I guess I've paid the most attention to and cared about, but but um, w- how did you get hooked up with webtoons? And then, like, what is the experience? Because you have worked in other, for other, like you said, other other uh, more traditional publishers. What is the experience yeah. like as a business partner? Like, like how like are they are they good business partners? Are you like I would imagine the compensation model is completely different since you have so many more eyeballs, but it's obviously a, a probably a much lower priced priced overall product. And uh, so I'm just curious, like, how all that. Uh, has has been in the last uh, what five six years? Yeah. Uh, back to the first question. Um, I did not know about Webtoon until my wife had found the app because uh, she reads comics as well, and I was only familiar with the the standard Western and uh, Japanese publics. And I, like Vince, I did not read many uh, web comics. Wasn't familiar with a lot of stuff. Um, I think this was even before Battle Pug came out, so webcomics in general for me was just a, a, a blind spot. But my wife discovered it uh, reading, I forget exactly what she was reading, I think it was Space Boy or, or one of the Jason Brubaker joints. And uh, she showed it to me, and at that time I was pretty snobby about it because a lot of the art was, uh, you know, I'm not going to say subpar, but just not what I was used to. And it was an interesting model, to say the least. So I looked it up, and there turns out there were a lot of videos on YouTube about it, and creators like uh, Stephen McCraney and Jason Brubaker were talking about it, and like apparently it's a, it's a really big publisher from uh, Korea, and they had been, at that point, this was like 2016, 2017, they had been trying to branch out uh, to the United States to get new creators there. And then I approached Justin, asked him if, uh, Justin Jordan, I approached him, asked him if he had heard of it, and he had not. But he had seen some booths, uh, some webtoon booths at random cons that he was at. And he approached some editors, or some editors approached him. I forget exactly what happened, but... Eventually, there were conversations, and we pitched 
a comic to them in 2016 or would have been early 2017 and uh, they rejected it uh, because we it, it turned out to not be the right feel for them and uh, Urban Animal was actually the second title that we pitched and uh, they accepted it in uh, we, we got a green light in mid-2017 and worked all the way up to mid-2018 where we launched and to answer your second question they're pretty fun to work with in the sense that as soon as you establish that you know what you're doing and Justin and I had been working professionally for uh, roughly the same amount of time about eight nine years at that point so as soon as the editors knew that uh, as soon as the editors saw that we knew what they were what we were doing they just left us alone and we just need to show them the outline at this point we just need to show them the outline for the whole season show them that it, we can break it down into this number of episodes and then they just let us you know let us have fun with it and because of that freedom we're really able to explore where the story can go and sometimes they will guide us as to something uh if something has a typographical error if so or if a panel is too revealing uh, because our audience is on the younger side so we don't want to watch we don't have to uh we have to control the amount of nudity that's actually that actually shows up in the comic sorry Vince. and uh do you though <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's been a couple of times where, where they ask us to change the panel or like to conceal a boob just just to <laughs> uh, not cause any uh, pearl clutching right. but yeah uh we, we really enjoy working with them, and uh, we like the experience so much that we are positive, Justin and I are positive, that we will probably pitch another series once Urban Animal eventually wraps up. Wow. That's uh, awesome. And, and are you guys, so do you get like, because uh, again, I mean, we're thinking, trying to compare this to what it would be like to be a, an artist on a book here doing print. I mean, are you pay the page rate you guys get like a a lump sum per season and then you you just agree to how to divvy it up like how, how does that work i mean without obviously getting into the specific numbers but just like what's the model look like we get paid per episode okay. uh we, we are uh, urban animal for example is considered a webtoon original and that means we are among the selected few titles where the creators get paid by webtoon and that we get benefits like showing up on the the front banner or the the front page of the website or the banner of the app and then as i mentioned because we're featured we get a per episode rate and then we get something called a fast pass and what that is is the option for our readers to read three episodes ahead because we release we release one free episode every week, but there are three episodes behind a paywall. Um, and then that accrues and comes to us at the end of every month. So basically we get paid per episode and then we get the royalties from FastPass and some ad revenue as well. So it, it turns out to be a, a pretty good living for a, for a creator. Pretty That's good. awesome. 
That's very good to hear. Um, yeah, was there ever uh, talk of merchandising, uh, specifically like <laughs> uh, vinyls, <laughs> toys? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, for the first, uh, for the first volume campaign, for the first Kickstarter, the merch was uh, some plushies for the Tur Bunny form that Joe has. Um, we are looking into possibly figures for the future campaigns, or <laughs> I don't know how big manga fans you are, but you know what Daki Makaras are, Vince? Uh, what was that again? Daki Makara. No. I might be pronouncing it wrong. But the uh, the, the waifu pillows. Oh, oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm out. No. I'm, I, I Jeez, that'd be cool, but no, I guess not. <laughs> wow. wow. It, I, you can have a little two Vince caption. Oh. <laughs> no, it's a little weird. Selling you on it. It's, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Trying not to blush, but uh, yeah, it'd be. It's an idea that's been thrown around, but definitely we're we're having discussions about figures. Nice, awesome, that's great. Yeah. Oof, there's have so met, many different met, designs to choose say, have, from. Have you met uh, Justin in person, John? Never, I've never met Justin in person, but uh, yeah. he was one of the very first people I worked with uh, when we were coming up uh, before. Before he got Luther Strode published, and before I had anything published, we uh, we hooked up on a uh, what do you call this? A creator website called Digital Webbing. If you guys oh, oh yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, it was a forum for when writers were looking for artists to collaborate with, offering paid jobs or commissions and stuff. And then I saw Library Gorilla there, aka Justin Jordan. And then he was looking for artists for a for a small paid gig. He was pitching stuff to Image then, and then you know, uh, we, in total since then we pitched about five different projects all over the place. And Urban Animal is the first time we got a green li- green light together. So the first time we actually worked together, but we had been friends since like 2009. Nice, very cool. Yeah. So you obviously are in the Philippines. I think people we've, we've mentioned. I don't know if we mentioned that tonight, but we've mentioned it before. Um, what mm-hmm. What was your experience? How did you get to be a comic nerd? Um, when did you discover oh. comics? What comics were you into? Yeah, uh, I was always interested in comics. I think I learned to read via Archie Comics. That that's how I actually oh, okay. learned to read. Mm-hmm. But like even before that. Uh, I was into Teen Titans because my brother collected comics. Uh, my brother Robbie, who's also an artist, um, and one of the very first comics I ever saw—I was like four or five years old—was uh, uh, George Perez drawn Starfire, and that that left a, a permanent mark in my brain. I think, and it's like <laughs> it was like I want to draw. I want to draw that stuff. That looks cool. And from there, I was like, I, I just, uh, I just pursued that, and I went from Teen Titans to uh, some Superman, uh, Jerry Ordway stuff, and then eventually, when I ha- I got my own allowance, I actually veered off to the other side, and I went Marvel, and I, I remember this distinctly in like 1996 or something. I was 12 years old. 
And um, yeah, for sure, I was 12 years old, and I saw Wizard number 49. I might have mentioned this in a in a previous interview somewhere, but like Wizard number 49, if you remember, was the very first time Joe Madureira was interviewed, and in that article, he said that he got his first job uh, drawing Deadpool at 16. And I showed that same article to a whole bunch of my friends who were also, you know, we were all we were all shitheads back then, just drawing random stuff with no uh, particular direction for where we want to go for, for our art, right? And I definitely didn't have one. But then we read that article, and Joe Madreira said his first Marvel job, Deadpool, was when he was 16 years old. And all my, all my friends were like, oh, shit, that's so cool. Good for him. And the only thought I had was, shit, I have four more years. <laughs> I have four years to break it. <laughs> I was 12 years old in the Philippines. No way to contact an editor. No comic cons to go to. I had no clue where I could possibly even send a submission. So since then, I had just been developing my craft hopeful that someday someday I would have a, an avenue to, to reach someone and like this would have been 1996 the internet really there wasn't really much of a, an internet yet if there even was one and so all throughout all throughout those years 1996 onward I would just keep drawing my own stuff I would draw <laughs> I redrew the first episode of the Thundercats animated series, the, the original one from the 80s, uh, just to see if I could do it. And so that was good practice. And then uh, I drew more and more stuff. I created stuff for, for myself to develop. And I drew the very original uh, version of Urban Animal, uh, which then had a different title. I drew it in college. This would have been 1999 or 2000. And then like it was hyper-violent completely black and white, com completely traditional, and just like blood and guts and boobs everywhere. And it was, it was a mess. It was, <laughs> it was very exploitative, I'll say. And, but I got, I got good practice in. And then I just keep, I just kept developing the craft. And my first gig, I forget exactly what year it was, came when I found C.B. Sabolsky's email address online. Uh, he was not editor-in-chief yet, he was a talent scout. And he gave me my first gig. Uh, I drew, I think it was four or five pages for his image miniseries, Wander Lost. Yes, I remember that. I'm in that. And uh, yeah, that was my first gig, and then it would be years before I would get another one because I I wasn't much of an inker then, so I, I, I stopped sending submissions uh, to anyone because I wanted to develop and, and make it better. And then years later, I did a series for IDW called Judah, or was it Judah's The Last Days. And then a couple of years later, I did a graphic novella with William Maxwell Prince for Image Comics called One Week in the Library, which we got an Eisner nomination for. This would have been like 2015, 2016, and uh, we lost to <laughs> we lost to Jason's friend Tom King. No, that hurt. But I got. I guess <laughs> it happens. It happens. That's funny, Jason's <laughs> friend. Jason's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna let that slide. You, you ain't wrong. 
Um, so wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Just back up just a little bit. You are self-taught? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, oh my God. college course, oh, I went. God. <laughs> I love. I, I, uh, I love to hear that. I really do. Uh, thanks. Uh, I took up uh, political science for college, and uh, every time I tell my artist peers that, they're like, "You're so stupid. <laughs> why did you? Why did you pick <laughs> comics?" But like, I just had to chase the passion, you know. Yes. And uh, you know. This is where I'm happy. Yeah. Well, and also, too, it's cool because, the, I mean, we've talked about this over the years. Like, there's just such a a, a wonderful interconnectedness between um, comics and, 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 and the Philippines, right? Like, it's, I mean, so many amazing Filipino artists from dating back to the 70s, you know, have, have obviously graced the presence of some of our all-time favorite comics, right? Like, going yep. all the way back to, like, Dizuniga and the tribe and all that. Like, and we've, you know, we obviously have always gushed about that stuff. So it's it's cool. It feels like the... You know that 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 connectivity and the and the, the the passion for the art hasn't ever gone away. Like it's just a, just new generations continue to flourish, and you're part of the new one. So it's pretty neat. Well, you could even push that back further to the the Warren days. I mean, Alcala. Yeah, there there, there was a, yeah. a a a very very strong uh, wave of artists from the Philippines in in the the Bronze Age, even at Marvel and DC too. Yeah, no, of course, of course, yeah. yeah. Ernie Chan and Nino and oh, and yeah, Nino, uh, Alex, yeah, exactly. Nino, Jerry Tala. My, my goodness, yeah, Nebris, tons, right? And, yeah, I mean, we've yeah, and they're all legends. <laughs> That's what just yeah. So, when, when you go back, I mean, you sit, just sit down and think about it. They're all amazing craftsmen uh, to to a man. Um, but uh, John, you know, uh, I, I teach college level. Uh, illustration and it's the first thing i tell them first class you don't need me you could do this you could do this on your own it's just how much do you want it you know um and i love to hear i I love to hear and and see the the stories of of um artists of your caliber uh basically making their own way and and producing work astounding work uh to boot so much love my brother Hey, before before we continue, can I gush for a bit? Because we've been talking for about an hour now, and I need to. Okay. I need to gush. Because, like, I've been listening to you guys for the better part of 10 years now, right? I started listening when there were, like, there were four of you. There are four of us now. There were four? (laughs) But, like... (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen. (laughs) Uh, uh, So I was listening to you guys when I was still coming up. And I just want to say that the way you guys talk about comics, it makes an artist want to create good things. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for, uh, the, the exposition there is twofold. One, because when you find something you like, you guys, you guys wax poetic about it. Yeah. And... It's a joy to hear, and it's inspiring to know that, you know, comics can be this affecting. But the other point is that when you guys find something you don't like, you talk about it, but are constructive about it still. You can be mean, but still constructive. And it makes an artist want to produce good work. 
So man, that, that one is, of that's one of the most flatter, flattering things anyone's ever said to us. Yeah, it's really true. It. Yeah. It's wow. almost like uh, we're making a contribution. <laughs> wow! Yeah, no. <laughs> does not compute. No, at all, at all. But it's 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 good to hear, and I'm no, I'm glad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It means a lot. Thank you. For sure. Yeah, it really does. Um, I mean, I don't know where to go from there. For um, well, let's let's talk. So, so, so I thought he was going to compliment you specifically. I was going to have. Right? I was going to yeah. shut him right down. Can, like, can, stop. Can you get me in touch with your friends, huh? <laughs> <That's hilarious>. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so what? So so. When you are the three hours out of the day where you're not drawing, what what are you kicking back? What are you reading? What are you what are you grooving to? Well, when I'm not spending time with my wife, uh, right? We're, yep. we're, we usually watch anime together, have our meals together. She has a full time job as well. She runs an orphanage, so oh she's contributing. <laughs> she's wow. contributing much more to the universe than I am. Wow! Oh, wow! That's yes, awesome. That is good for her. My goodness, <laughs> yeah. jeez. Yeah, dude. She's she's the administrator of an orphanage, and uh, you know uh, she's been at it for a couple of years now, and two or three years now. And previously, the orphanage was run by her dad, and it's in association with their church. So it's it's a full time job, and I respect the hell out of her for it. Yeah, sure. Um, Same. But but yeah. Aside from spending time with the wife, I have two dogs and two cats to take care of and uh i game uh oh. i game quite a bit actually probably too much <laughs> i could just, I probably what, shouldn't what, say that here but what kind uh, of games and do you, do you like I, to do? well the last the last long game i finished was elden ring there we go year. there you go there we go yeah it's 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 <laughs> it's an obsession Oh, you guys played it too? Yeah, I played it. Played it. Yeah. yeah um, I'm where yeah. my daughter and I played it in tandem, and um, nice. like we didn't beat the Elder Dragon at the end yet. That's where oh, we are. Oh shit! Yeah, right at the Elder Dragon. <laughs> so, uh, I, but I, we have like three hundred separate groups. Oh, nice. Please go. No, we just have three hundred fifty hours into it. So it's Damn, cool. yeah, I was going to try to impress you with my hours, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I played with two separate groups as two different characters, one melee, one magic, one spellcaster. Right. And we, we, we beat the Elder Dragon in the end in two separate groups. So I've had enough of Elden Ring for sure, for now, but yeah. they're, they're coming <laughs> up with, with DLC later this year. So I don't know, I might need to go back. And then after that, I played Death Stranding last year and that was amazing i uh i found myself shedding man tears in the end i don't know if you guys have played it it's a beautiful game no um, no i have not no. oh I, i've seen I, it yeah that's the one with um uh what's his name from the walking dead right yeah norman reedus yeah norman reedus right 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 oh, okay good game it looks it's and beautiful look at some overwatch wow yeah uh, play some Overwatch a little bit every day, and uh, yeah, like I said, I probably game a little too much, so I need to I need to chill on that. <laughs> I read I read a lot of manga and comics. Uh, right now, I'm in the last two volumes of Bakuman, uh, which I love. Nice. Uh, I was three volumes in when I decided this might be one of my favorite uh, manga of all time. It's it's a amazing story. It it it's definitely slow. In some parts, it's not perfect, but it it just hits different. 
you know, especially for a creator. Right. Uh, right now, uh, I posted on social media that I was at the vets a couple of days ago, and while there, I read uh, the first three issues of Human Target by Jason Wood's friend, Tom King. That's the new t-shirt. Yep. That is the new t-shirt. <laughs> we should have Tom wear that at, at uh, conventions. Oh, Jason okay, Wood's friend. Wood's best friend. <laughs> oh, sure. oh, goodness. You, you are the best. Uh, yeah. What else so, are you enjoying right now? So, yeah. so you um, on your on your fresh off the presses on Facebook today, uh, mm. and, and it's a, it, I probably wouldn't have seen this if I didn't if I if you were if I you weren't coming on today because I I don't check Facebook every day anymore but but I happened Kismet happened to see it uh, you posted on your page that uh, you shared the the next big thing your 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 next project a, a new creator owned series um, called yes, Big sir. Medium. So congratulations, and uh, we get to break the news. So why don't you tell the peoples what is Big Medium? Is it an EOC scoop? Nice. <laughs> so uh, Big Medium is a mini, a planned miniseries, probably five or six issues, that I intend to initially serialize on Patreon. Nice. Uh, I haven't decided yet how much to release there, if I'm actually going to release uh, lettered pages or just fully colored pages along with some behind-the-scenes stuff. I guess it'll depend on the support level of, of certain people. But Big Medium, inspired by things like Bakuman, like Box Office Poison, by uh, that Adrian Tomine comic. I forget the title. I know it's a, it's, it was a long-ish title. Uh, things like... Uh, Maximum Minimum Wage, and all these other uh, self-reflexive comics, I call like comics about comics, right? And I figure I have, and I am by no means the only one who has had this experience, but I know I have a unique experience in the sense that I have done traditional comics and web comics, and have been fairly successful in both. So I wanted to make a comic about a studio or, or artists in a studio where they create all these different kinds of comics and all and how all the different personalities of different types of creators clash. So we have a newbie to traditional comics meeting a longtime veteran, probably a little snooty, a little snobby, meeting a, a web comics professional who has her own following and is fairly successful, and also a writer who wants to get into comics just to make movies and has no actual real passion about comics. So it's an ensemble cast, and it's going to be a uh, comedic drama, I want to say. Uh, basically, I guess the, the easy summary of this is high fidelity, except it's comics. Interesting. Yeah. Yes, sir. Now the uh, the and, comic uh, is eventually going to be tra tra transitioned to print uh, at one point, or just strictly online. No, this will eventually be published. Uh, published. Uh, I have two people. I want. I have two outfits currently interested in publishing it, but right now I'm focusing on just right. making it good making it read well and doing it on time. So I want it to be as as perfect as I can make it 
and then eventually what I have right now is six issues planned out and I would like to do more than that. Wow, you like the Orson Welles of comics. You will release no comic <laughs> until it's time. I don't know about that, but I appreciate <laughs> the comparison. Uh, uh, you finished all of Bakuman, Vince? Yes. Right? What is that, like 20 volumes? I, I mean, like six, volume it, 16 right is now. Is it? Um, I don't know. Yeah, showing a jump. Yeah, I don't remember uh, exactly how long it was, but uh, that's one of the 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 works that... If it clicks, I mean, people are extremely devoted to that. They they always cite, I mean, ones that, that love it, it, they love it. I mean, and uh, our buddy yeah. Will Pfeiffer, uh, right when, when it started, Pfeiffer said, this is one of the best things I've ever read. I just I love this. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and for you know, and it it does attract because of the the premise. It does attract creative types, right? Because I I think I agree. the experiences detailed within the narrative are they resonate more with people who actually uh, have experience creating things, making things. So yes. yeah, I think Bakuman's great. Yeah, twenty volumes. Bakuman is definitely. Uh, thanks. Uh, Bakuman is definitely a huge inspiration for big medium. However, I and this might just be me. I always found that the romantic aspect of Bakuman was a little uh, was a little bit of a chore sometimes. Like okay. the relationship or the pseudo relationship he has with the with a voice actress girl is not very compelling. I, I found anyway. And uh, while big medium is not going to be a romance per se there will be romantic elements it'll be it'll feel like a rom-com so the the comparison to high fidelity is intentional except it's not just going to be about that it's definitely still going to handle craft and it's going to handle a lot of the the struggles and the drama that that has to do with making comics and it's not just going to be about making comics per se but also the the collaborative process the uh, learning how to market your thing, what what it's like to be a creator at a convention, all of that stuff, without getting too alienating to non-creative types. I want to make a story about the creative field, per se. And I think uh, I have the bones of that, and that's what the announcement was for. Nice, nice. Uh, just to comment on the relationship aspect of the of Bakuman, maybe it be. I think mm. you're right. It was one of the 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 things about the book which didn't resonate as being true. Right? If it felt yes. a, a little forced, but maybe that was uh, Oba not writing what he knew. Mm. In other words, you know what I mean? Like he didn't really have an intimate relationship. Uh, I mean, I don't know what his personal life is like, but uh, yeah. it just felt like somebody writing about a relationship who has never had a relationship of that type before, you know? But the other aspects of the book, the creative aspects, you could tell, like, these, both Oba and, uh, uh, what's the artist? Um, Obata. Obata. Right? Uh, yeah, they're yeah. definitely um, reveling in what they know in their experiences. So I don't, I don't know. It's a Absolutely. good column. It, it de definitely demands some investigation. <laughs> I haven't some thought of my it. favorite issues. Some of my favorite chapters of Bakuman were straight up just meetings between editors. <laughs> it was right. so amazing to be a fly on the wall. Right. And, and if you told somebody that you'd be like, what? 
<laughs> that that doesn't sound compelling <laughs> at all. But no, the way it's presented, it, yeah. it, it very much is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. But another thing that was fun was then when they would brainstorm new projects. Right. <laughs> um, so, Jason, thank you for bringing that up. But that's actually uh, only one of two projects that I'll be working on this year. Oh, aside speak from, on uh, Yeah, aside from the latter half of Urban Animal, of course. So it's going to be a busy year. I've got Big Medium. I've got the second half of Urban Animal Final Season. And, uh, Jason, I believe you recently spoke about Arc Athena here on 11 o'clock. Sure did, yes, uh, when the first issue arrived from the uh, from the crowdfunding for Eric Kennedy, mutual friend of, of all of ours, Eric Kennedy. Not right, just Jason's yeah. friend, but friend, friend to all. Sure about that? How many, how many well, pieces, how many pieces by him do you have? No, I was just going to say, not just Jason's friends, but the uh, plethora of pages in Jason's uh, art books, whatever yes. he calls them. <laughs> well, hey, listen, it's mutual. Eric is, 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 has been uh, at times a, a patron as well. So he's, it's, it's, bi, it's bilateral. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's maybe not equivalent in terms of monetary spent, but it's bilateral. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, go ahead, Arc Athena. Sure, uh, we 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 digress. Uh, I forget. I forget if Arc Athena two is out at this point. Uh, no, it's I, I, guess, not. I guess you would know more than me, Jason. Okay, it is not. Um, gotcha. So there are six planned issues. Uh, he will be releasing that. Those are forthcoming, I believe, later this year. Uh, when that initial miniseries is done, uh, I will be doing, I will be co-plotting and drawing a four-issue series about uh, Red Wasp, which is, uh, who is one of the characters in Arc Athena. So it'll be an Arc Athena spin-off uh, uh, with me and Eric Kennedy collaborating, uh, with me doing all the illustration. And... Uh, uh, you'll be interested in this, Vince. Uh, Red Wasp is the common uh, Rider uh, Super Sentai character within the team. So, oh, nice. Uh, it'll be fun. It's a, a high-octane uh, action uh, mini-series, and I'm really stoked to be working on it. Uh, that is great. We Congratulations. Had... Thanks, man. Uh, Eric and I have been friends for a while, and uh, mm-hmm. we've been looking for something to collaborate on, something to jam on for the past couple of years. And, uh, yeah, this will be fun. Well, on your recommendation, I'm going to seek out this Arc Athena and and check it out. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I'm glad you brought it up. He would have never what? heard of it. Mm-hmm. Did you talk about that on the show? Hold on, hold on. I the giggles. <laughs> he, it, it, it's a good good night when we can get one in on Jason. So he's exhausting. Uh, he's I'm exhausting. exhausting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh goodness. So your slate is is uh, extremely full. Like wow. Yeah, do you sleep? I mean, I don't know how you have time to game if you're drawing for twelve hours a day and coming up with it's your own ideas. The wife and yeah. <laughs> Bro, you got, you got to pencil question. the wife in for uh, like time. You got to be like, hey, I'll see you on <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> I mean, how long? How, I, I know you said. I mean, you 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 did tell us how how long. Your day is when? When does your day start? I mean, it, so so she goes, she goes to work, to run things at the orphanage, and you just stay at the mm-hmm. tablet and just draw until she gets home. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I am usually up at eight a.m. and then I am biphasic, and that means I sleep at two different parts of the day for about three to four hours each 
interval. And then that allows me to get a few more hours in at the desk when when the uh, when things are a lot less hectic, uh, especially with the pets. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be it's definitely gonna be a busy year. Uh, I think I've got everything handled because like uh, Urban Animal isn't returning until July or August, so we definitely have a good enough uh, uh, amount of time to build a buffer, and then. Uh, Arcathena, we did the plotting earlier this month for the, it's it's not a giant series, it's just four issues so as far as I know, I'm not going to be coloring it myself so as long as it's just me doing inks, I don't need to kill myself over it. I'm going to make it as good as I can, knowing that the, the colorist that Eric has on the main book is pretty amazing and then on on the Patreon front uh, big medium is going to keep me busy for sure, but because that has no publication date, I can take my time with it. So it, it it might seem like I'm super busy on paper, but I think I've got a handle on it. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> it's it's good to see idle hands and all that, right? Seriously, for sure. Yeah, just don't don't transition to becoming ju- just a writer because it seems like uh, our artist buddies who move becoming writers they stop listening to the pod because they're like I always listen to what I drew I don't listen because right now that I write and I'm like ah so keep drawing listen yeah Scotty's busy Scotty's busy Sc- listen Scotty oh, we know he's 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 at the top of that list <laughs> big pimping yeah, yeah. yeah. a fellow CB Sibolsky discovery by the way look at that CB bringing yeah. bringing art. Artists from all of our peoples to the to the forefront. Yeah, actually, I would love to eventually work with Scotty if he even knows who I am. But like, oh, uh, I've been I'm following sure his does. work for a while, and I, I've been, I've, <laughs> I've enjoyed all of his all of his recent uh, writing endeavors um, uh, with Kyle Strom, the latest one, right? That's really good. Yeah, Twig. Oh yeah, Twig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's he's doing that. He's doing well. He just he just wrapped up uh, Strange Academy finals uh, with yeah. uh, Umberto, and he has just relaunched uh, the new volume of I Hate Fairyland, which he's not drawing this time. He's got a, an artist, uh, Brett Bean, who's drawing it. So, oh, look at that! Yeah, big pimpin' indeed. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm saying though. He's not drawing anymore. It's like, bruh, get back to the table. It's mm. the drawing. Well, he probably makes as much or, or more. Um, writing why would he want to draw he's had pages in that he loves drawing he does he does but he's had pages in that image anthology that won the 11 o'clockers that nobody's ever read uh scotty Mm -hmm. has a page in that every every time Mm -hmm. i have to say oh sorry i was gonna say like uh i there's this game speaking of games that uh some some of us have been playing of late called uh marvel snap and uh it's basically a card you know it's it's a card battle game but the it's all Marvel characters. It. Yeah, it's cool. But the the yeah. coolest part about it really is, I think, is that the car, there's tons and tons of variant cards by uh, and and it's it's artists that we know. You know, it's it and it's just interesting because there's a lot of them and and they most of the variants it'll say like the artist name like the like like for example I know Jeff DeCall or Alex Ross have so like you'll see like the Alex Ross variant or the Jeff DeCall variant. But um, but like it's funny and I I've been next time I talk to him and ask him about this. There are a ton of Scotty images, but they're not called the Scotty Young variants. They're called like the, you know, like the baby variants. And it's like, it's interesting. Oh, yeah. 
So I don't know if they're like ripping him off if like he's not getting that scroll. Well, listen, we know well, it's, like, it's, it's like he animated his statues. Paper, so I'm not worried about that. But but like yeah, I was wondering that like if that's just a thing or if it's like like adjacent where it's like Scotty homage where he didn't actually draw. It. I don't know. It's just interesting. That it's is weird. They do that. Yeah. So I cut you, you off of that. So no, I, um, not so much process, but the tool. So yes, yeah, so, so so you said you use Clip Studio. What are you using on? Are you using a Cintiq? Are you using a, a, an iPad? How do you get Urban Animal to us? I actually use uh, this thing is a little, a little. It's seen better days. I use an Intuos Five. Oh, okay. A large Intuos Five. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I I used I tried a Cintiq a couple of years back, and I just could not get over the the glare. Yep, of, uh, I get that. Of staring at a screen the entire time. And, you know, other people can make it work. But, like, for whatever reason, it, I, it just couldn't, I couldn't get comfortable. Uh, I recently acquired an iPad Pro. So I might, you know, I might somehow get away from the desk, which is good for everybody, um, and uh, <laughs> bring my work with me uh, wherever I go. But, like, not, not be a slave to the desk. Uh, nice. That would be that would still be Clip Studio Paint. Although I am very curious about Procreate, uh, I hear good things about it. I, but I, never I like try it. I like Procreate a lot. Um, it's mm-hmm. what it it's what I fool around with. It's what I did that the the, the, the Rick and Morty page on it. It I, I I like it a lot. I absolutely understand um, what you're saying about the Cintiq. We have this is going to bore everybody, but we. Um, the, the college I work at, we were using Microsoft Surface Studios in some of the HyFlex classrooms. And last year or so ago, Microsoft stopped making this particular model. So we had to pivot, and now we're using a, a Dell workstation that we use for the CAD program, and we're using a Cintiq 24-inch. And unfortunately, we didn't... We, we, we didn't order the arms or any sort of stand for it, so it just has to use the two little legs that that pop out from the back of it. And and so any instructor now who's going to be using it, basically their head's down, so the top of their head is facing the students. And I, it's it it's it's very wide, and it's not it's not ideal for I think what we're gonna what they're trying to use it for in an educational institution, but. Um, the, the the glare is very real, even though it is kind of a matte finish to it. It's still, uh, especially with the lights in some of our buildings, that's that's it's it's going to be a pain. But but I absolutely understand what you're saying about this antique. Yeah, maybe I'm just more finicky than other artists. I'm, I'm more pretty, but like I don't know, I couldn't make it work. Not for me. And and it's it's much better. Um, it, you have to. It's easier for you to find the tech that works for you than than you try to force the tech to do what you want it to do. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And actually, uh, to digress real quick, uh, I listened to a couple of episodes uh, recently of 11 o'clock, and I caught the one right before the 11 o'clock Oscars. I think it was Tana Ford's episode. Is that correct, Vince? Yep. (laughs) And and, uh, (laughs) – Vince asked a question about the open game license, and I wanted to bring this up real quick because I'm a I'm a dungeon master as well. Nice. Um, and 
if we ever, if I ever see you guys at a convention, I will run a game for you, if Tana will let me. But like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it seems like she's already the DM for you guys, and that that's cool too. But um, uh, are you follow? You're following that whole thing, right, with the OGL? Yes, unfortunately, I am. Yeah, it, <laughs> it it's such a mess, isn't it? It was a leak. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. They're probably they're gonna backtrack for sure because yeah. they want to incorporate uh they want to take the fan response into into account. I don't think they're actually gonna go through with it, especially because they've got that movie coming out. Right. Um, well, I think there was a resolution where they said uh, OGL 1.0 will not be dissolved. It's it's gonna stand, but there's something that they're doing with the Creative Commons. Moving forward, and um, th- whatever one D and D becomes, whether it's sixth edition or whatever, whatever they're gonna, they're going to call the 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 system at the root of one D and D, there's going to be a Creative Commons underpinning that will the jury's still out on it whether it's going to be as uh, far reaching as uh, the OGL. Right, that's my understanding of it. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 fan reaction has cooled a little bit now because the fact that 1.0 is not going away. Not only the fans, but the people that make a living yeah. at this at this stuff. Um, but I think Wizards and Hasbro have proven themselves to be very untrustworthy. Yeah, for sure. And so, it's such a thorny situation all around. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, the the OGL was de- devised. That's the one reason why fifth edition became as popular as it did because fourth edition sucked, and they did something. They said, yeah. "Okay, well, let's open this up to everybody. Uh, we'll make this OGL so you can create, you know, with us and for us in a sense." And fifth edition just blew up because it was it it opened the floodgates, right? Uh, to, yeah. to 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 turn that back was a, a very, not a very good move on uh, Wizards' part because I've been hearing from uh, John at Goodman Games and uh, the the Paizo guys that the Pathfinder uh, people that they're um, the amount of new people investigating and buying their books has exploded since Wizards did this. So, I I know yeah. you touched on a bit in in the in the past, but I'm like this is spe- like you guys are speaking pure foreign tongue to me. I, I <laughs> I'm <laughs> gathering there's some kind of IP issue that's pissing people off. But I guess what I'm I'm not clear on is how do people like what are they what are who's making money off D and D other than Hasbro right. Wizards? I'll break like, it down like, for you. Yeah, break it down. Okay. All right, so fifth edition, there have been several editions of how to play Dungeons and Dragons in sure, the 70s got that. or 80s. Okay. Yep. So when, the fifth, when fifth edition came out, they made sure to let people know that there was an open game license, which allowed third-party creators to develop their own properties that were, that were just tangentially connected to how D&D operates. An example of that is a show called Critical Role, and mm-hmm. this is a this is a, a show that's streamed on Twitch and YouTube. Streams still on Twitch and YouTube, and what it is is a bunch of voice actors 
cool. Yeah, play, I'm familiar. My, my, my son Jackson loves it, so I, okay, I, I, that, I got you. I love right. it too. Mm-hmm. Your son has good taste. Um, so <laughs> this show has been running for a while, mm-hmm. and this the the people who run that show have made literally millions of dollars from that show, and it's not the only show, but it's the most successful one. And now with the sixth edition D and D, they are, for for lack of a better word, they are revoking the open game license and adding, uh, creating an addendum that all uh, all third party created properties owe something like twenty five percent to Wizards. If you make over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, okay. Yeah, which okay. So does. so this must be where I'm. So I, I guess me being a capitalist, I have to ask. Uh, putting aside the percentage, like the twenty-five percent, like why shouldn't yeah. a company who owns something be able to get royalties for others who are making massive livings off of their ideas? Isn't that like, and how is that any different question. than us getting like mad that creators who created stuff didn't get to monetize their their IP? Like, I don't like what's what's the where where are they wrong in in wanting to get compensated if somebody like Critical Role is making millions and millions of dollars off of D and D? Yeah, that is a fair question, and uh, I, I definitely see the see where your where your stance is there. But like, I think what turns fans off is the timing of it because mm-hmm. Critical Role just had a show come out on on Prime on Prime. Video. Right, right. I didn't realize so, it, I, it's that Vox Machina thing, right? Okay, I didn't realize it was all, all yeah, this was connected. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they uh, they very clearly want a slice of that, and also it just it it sort of taints the waters for other creators you know it's sort of whoever wants to play in this world now they they know that there's this looming thing that, that's waiting for them if they get successful mm-hmm. i think that's what what the problem is. right right and but I, I, another uh big problem was they said the uh, upon drafting the original ogl 1.0 that the the thing would be in existence forever and could, and could not be revoked. And so they kind of like what you guys are saying is they sort of built goodwill with this open license being like, Hey y'all like, like we love you. So if you want to go and make cool shit with our stuff, have at it. And then you feel yeah. like, okay, so people went out and did it. And then they, because they did it to such a point where they're making real money off of it. Uh, they're like, oh no, well, well, scratch we that. Mean that. Yeah, an- another reason why people are pissed off is because Hasbro stock took a a, a, a header into the toilet. Oh, sure, and, yeah, and yeah. and well, you know, and yeah. one of the things that they devised in order to generate quick revenue for the fourth quarter was it's Magic's thirtieth anniversary, so they created um, as a celebratory. Uh, product for the 30th anniversary they were going to reprint alpha cards which alpha cards are the moxes uh the dual lands like the power nine the real expensive cards that everybody wants and you know all the stuff from ice age (laughs) yeah like uh, a a good amount of of um Cards that people would kill to be able to put in their decks these days. Okay. But, but what they did was they changed the card back to non-tournament legal card back. And they sold them 
in random packs, four packs for $1,000. Four packs of 15 cards for $1,000. So the fan, the Magic fan community went ballistic. Sure. Because the only people that would be able to participate in this are the power players. And they mm-hmm. can't use the cards in tournaments anyway. I mean, it, in, in certain formats. Right. In right. tournaments anyway. So... That ticked off a good amount of of gaming fans, and then when they tried to revoke the open game license, that took the other half of their fans, the Dungeons and Dragons fans, and set them against Wizards and Hasbro as well. So it, it, the one thing that they managed to do in this whole scenario was unite all of the fans. Okay. It, it was pretty unanimous. All of the Magic fans and all of the D and D fans. To a to a gamer, loathe what Hasbro's doing, and it made them like yeah. the 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 big bad. And so I, I get it that you're all for you know making money, but the the open game license is very specific in that you, you cannot trademark or copyright the mechanics of the game. You can copyright and trademark or whatever specific things like the drow. And T and Tiamat, like if it, you know, uh, characters, mm-hmm. locations, names, but as far as D twenty, you you can't copyright that. So right. the thing was, like, yeah, you can make uh, modules and scenarios and and uh, you know, uh, source books for D and D, but you can't use any of the specifics. That's pretty fair, I thought. Right? They're, yes, people are making money, but they're not traipsing over that line of copyright infringement Mm -hmm. and then wizards just said well no you can't do it anymore so there's a but like that affected podcasters and youtube people and writers and artists and publishers that they didn't know if they would be able to maintain you know their income because some of them that's just how they make their living and it was just a weird uh, you know situation it's still very weird um but it has generated a massive amount of ill will uh, towards Hasbro and uh, Wizards of the Coast. To the point where I've been playing Magic for 30 years. The thought of giving them money for new sets doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, I yeah I get the... Because, the, the, you know, I'm a part of it less so than you, but but on the toy side, right, with the, with the figures. Like, it, it, there's the predatory pushback, but... But um, but I guess to me that seemed a little different than like I guess we were talking about with this license. But I I, I didn't realize that they had sort of come out and said, oh, you know, it's going to be free, like have at it, and then they kind of like, oh, you know, take they did like the take backs. So that 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 certainly poor form. Yeah. At, at the least, even if they're even if they're justified, they should have. It sounds like a PR nightmare to sort of tell everybody like, hey, have at it, we love y'all, and then to be like, nah. But Can but the thing is, it you could tell that they were fishing for new ways to generate money, because sure. the OGL has been in in effect for what John? It's it's more than a decade. It's like a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, for something to de- well, I think D and D next, right? It came with the with D and D five, so that would have been like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Yeah, so it's a, it's a good stretch, right? Mm-hmm. And then to just yeah. say like, well, the, you know. You guys had it good for a, a nice amount of time, but not anymore. And I don't know. I, I sure it it, it just I, I don't like the the whole predatory uh, 
yeah let's look behind the curtain and you know that's you think that this entity at which you're throwing money is is um is making the product because they love it uh, but no they're making the product uh, there's predatory and as hungry as any other company out there and mm-hmm. why should we why should we be surprised but the thing was they had a again you shouldn't have opened this can of worms they they had <laughs> they had a fire a quote <laughs> they had a fireside chat where the the Chris Cox or whatever his name is uh the uh, one of the big muckety mucks at Hasbro and uh this woman that they brought in from Amazon uh, they didn't. They had to open the Wikipedia page for Magic in the Fireside Chat. They didn't even know what the product they sold did. Wow! Like that is. Re- are you kidding me? You have to Google or or wiki, you have to wiki your own product to get the specifics. You know, in essentially a shareholder conversation. Like, stop! It's whatever. I don't want to talk about. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm done anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, no, I mean it, it is a it is a sticky wicket. This idea of of the of fandom and nostalgia, and you know, I think it's funny because like we've definitely on the show the last few years, certainly in the Slack and stuff, have talked about like this or like again like the toy prices being crazy. But I am often, and I'm I complain about it too. And then I think like, but it is like we often talk about how, and I tell my kids this all the time, like you have to be able to take agency in your own life, and like we don't we as fans are pretty terrible at that right like yeah we love to complain about it but we still low-key continue to buy the stuff right and i think i thought about that like when i was doing um the the video this week for comics on shelves and one of the books that i highlighted was the dc power celebration the 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 um you know the the hundred pager that they just put out this week which was great um by um primarily by black uh, creators, right. For in black characters, it was really, really well done. But like, I, you know, it was not lost on me that it's a, it's a $10 comic, a $10 comic, like, and like, that's bananas, dude. Like we really shouldn't be surprised that, that like younger readers or, or a lot of readers are just either not buying the stuff or pirating it because $10 dude for a comic, like there aren't many of us that are crazy enough to do that. Right. Like we are a dwindling group of people right. and we'll continue to do it because we love the damn stuff and we're fortunate enough to have the disposable income to do it. But like, it's ridiculous, right? Like, like $10. I mean, think about what you could do for $10. Like, I don't know. So I think we, we duff protest too much sometimes with these things. Cause we all, you're going to keep playing magic. John's going to continue to play D and D. I'm going to continue to buy comics and buy action figures. But, but <laughs> you, you, I mean, you should be able to play D&D with nothing more than an imagination, a pencil. Well, you and, can, though, right? And, Nothing's and, stopping you from doing that. Exactly. But, and, right. uh, but And you can play Magic forever. You don't have to buy another card. I time. never have to buy another card. You are absolutely right. correct. Yep. Right. And on the comic front, I'm, I'm thinking I'm the most willing to just cut somebody off out of the three of us. Like, um, I, I can stop buying something mid run. I, I do really don't care, but there are a lot of people that are reluctant to do that. Like, well, I've been buying amazing spider, like Mario, I've been buying this for 30 years. I'm not going to stop now. And I, I completely understand that mentality or that mindset. I, I, I don't know as it, it, it's definitely a rough call, but, um, 
Well, what it does is with all these things, again, whether it's these games or toys or other collectibles or trading cards or comics, the 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 model works until it doesn't, right? And like the, the problem these companies deal with is that um, they haven't really been well. Hasbro Hasbro's getting punished of late, but like generally speaking, they haven't all been punished too badly, right? Like because there's enough of us that continue to stick around and pay the higher prices that they're overall they're still profitable businesses. But like what they're losing is that generational thing, right? Because like you damn sure are going to get a lot fewer people in to the world of these things at these prices, right? Like right. you're not going to – so yeah, if you're already there and it's like a thing and it means a lot to you, you're like – you justify it. Like, okay, yeah, but I love it. Like it's my treat. It's – it's I, you know, I'm a treat myself. But like you know, my, my kid graduates college and he's making a good living and he likes geeky stuff. He's going to be like – I'm not spending fucking thirty dollars on an action figure. Are you out of your mind? Like, yeah. nah, I'm out. Like, I just don't. Yeah. I'm not gonna play action figures. Like, whatever. One of the things uh, it amazes me. I think video games are underpriced. Oh, for sure. I I see because for sure. if I could buy Elden Ring for what sixty bucks, yep, and get three hundred, yeah, yeah three hundred and fifty yeah. or twenty five hours of entertainment out of it, like try and transpose or, or attribute those numbers to comics. Like, what was the last time you got? An hour of enjoyment out of a comic—it just doesn't happen. A printed well, comic. Or I think will about say. streaming, right? Like, I mean, yes. um, I think we pay what—is uh, it fifteen or twenty now for Netflix? I don't know. Whatever the—I don't even know what the price is. I'm said to say, but but whatever the price is, right? It's because it's not. And then it's not just me that gets Netflix. My family gets Netflix, right? And so, like, that's incredible. Or to your point, I mean, you know, I play one or two video games a year. I've just finished God of War Ragnarok. And yeah, same thing. It was I think it was like forty dollars because it was a Black Friday sale. It's crazy. And for forty dollars, I got this incredibly immersive, rich, um, inc- like amazing experience with at least a hundred hours. I mean, I you know I didn't I didn't clock my hours, but I'm sure it was well over a hundred hours. So like, and it was fully satisfying and immersive, and I couldn't wait to play it. And like, wow, it sounds dirty. I, no, <laughs> you know what I mean. But like, but like to your point, yeah. I mean, those are I mean that that is an incredible value, right? It is and, very and, much. And we don't like my family doesn't make much use of it. The kids have a an Xbox, whatever they call it now, the Live Gold, whatever that that the on. And you know, you could if you wanted to, like I know some of our slackers, like there are just an insane number of games you can that are included in that subscription. That you can yeah, just and play. you don't even have to right. You don't even have to buy a new game. We have yeah. the PlayStation, the whatever yeah, it's pass, called, yeah. PlayStation Plus. Right, right. They yeah. throw free games at you all the time. There you go. It's insane. But let's talk to John a little bit more. Yeah, no, I know. We, John, hey, he, he, he took it He brought it up. He did. He brought he did. it up. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know what Jason's favorite class is in D&D 5th edition. Your <laughs> oh, I'm a cleric. Oh, God. Are you oh. kidding me? <laughs> I have no idea. Is that a real thing? I'm making it up. Is that? I'm making yeah, it that's up. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Nice. Clerics are usually the assholes. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm drawing off of uh, the only D and D I have to draw off of is the OG '80s cartoon, so I, I just, that's all I have to. I, you know, so I would. There you, was no cleric there, was there? There wasn't. <laughs> Not for long, because they threw him at the dragon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Take this guy. I must have picked it up somewhere along the way, then. But yeah, I, I still to this day never played cleric in D. You want to be the drow? You want to be the the fighting mysterious? Ooh, how you like me, drow? Yeah, badass elf. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. What about you, David? What's your what, what's your class? Oh, man, I have not played D and D in ages. Um, because in high school, it was always um, 
champions and filled the vigilantes and car war. So, um, it was mostly just the superior related stuff. I, I don't know. I, I would have to. You're the paladin, aren't you? I think I'd be a ranger. I'm looking at them now. I probably would be. Yeah. Yeah. John, how did you think about it? I think about it. I see David as a paladin. Yeah. What you've been. Oh, I, I, I either ever, well, ever since I read the, the Warlock, I think, yeah, ever since I read the Salvatore books, I, w- I always want to, you know, you want to be dritzed because he's freaking awesome. But before that, I always played uh, a, a magic user of some sort. I you, never get into the you thing. You seem like somebody with a, you seem like somebody who makes a Faustian deal. Oh, in a, in a second. Yeah. Every day. In a, <laughs> he wakes up. I, I, I did before I sat down today. It's like, whatever. <laughs> Well, what about you, John? I mean, you're the one that. What do you play? What is your character? I I usually DM, but when I play, I'm always a bard. Oh, that's okay. cute. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was okay. another. That was another of of wizards' transgressions. They they realized that the only people that actually buy Dungeons and Dragons stuff are the DMs. Because players essentially yeah. they play for free. If you if they pick up the the player's guide, okay, great. But mm-hmm. for the most part, they're just at the table at the behest of the DM. The, the, he's the, the the storyteller, so he needs the DM needs all of the books and the supplements and the you know the bric-a-brac. And they're like, well, how do we get more money from the people that are playing? So this. One D and D thing, this online Dungeons and Dragons. They wanted to charge thirty dollars a month yeah. for whatever it is, and and you would get cosmetic things for your characters or blah blah blah. And it's just it's a whole brouhaha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You right. guys are like the the DM thing is the you know my my son was really into it for a bit, but he got mad frustrated because he would do he would be the dm but he got to a point where he wanted yeah. some of his friends to do it sometimes cuz he wanted to play and like none of the, they all they all were interested in that so he just basically he just hung it up cuz he yeah. was so tired of being like the dm which i mean i i don't know I can't, again i can't speak to it but i would imagine that's for some of you just loved it. it seems like it seems like there's people who love being the dm and so it's just that's totally fine and then others who probably just want to play right you you never ever want to be a really good dm because then they want you to be the Because then you'll never play. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You'll never play. Yeah. There you have it. Nice. Our D and D our D and D segment. There you go. <laughs> you know, I wish I'm a sucker for fantasy comics. I wish there were more fantasy comics out there. Don't you think there's a lot? Nah, there there's a good amount, yeah, but I want more. Sure. I mean I just I feel like that's a genre that's well represented though, like right? Like like again, we're all fanatics, but the average person probably could just read fantasy comics and be all set, like without like. Well, definitely I mean, in in the manga, you could. There's a lot of fantasy manga. Well, what's the what's the last uh, non third wall non fourth wall breaky fantasy comic you read? Because I feel like most of the fantasy comics I've read recently are all kind of gag comics. No, like uh, Wicca, uh, Last God. Um, uh, uh, well, Berserk. Briar. Berserk, yeah. Briar. Um, no, no, Western titles. Specific. Oh, Western. No, Briar's Western. Yeah. yeah. Briar's Western. Um, oh, check that out. 
I can't. The last fourth. Hmm. Oh, he said it doesn't break the fourth wall. Right. Uh, I guess. Yeah, the one that comes to mind for me is Last God. Yeah, that's what I would say. But I mean, there's there has to be another one in there. Hmm. I enjoyed Justin Jordan's Reaver. You guys read that? Mm-mm. Come out of Image? Did not. Yeah, a few years ago. I haven't read that. I'm going to write that down. It's good stuff. Yeah, I hear he's a good writer. <laughs> yeah. Or just a good dude. He does. Yeah. A good guy. But, I mean, if there was a, a, a company the size of Marvel that just put out a, an entire line of just fantasy comics, oh, I would Echo be... Oh, Lands would be... I just thought... Sorry, Echo Lands. I'd be so down That's with the, that. It's the latest one I just read. I guess Kaya could qualify as fantasy, Oh, right? yeah. Well, if we're going to go post apocalypse yeah, then... then... For sure, Kaya, but I think uh, J.H. Williams' Echo Lands is probably the last one that I would say is like true fantasy. That That's true. But that's all over the place. It's, it's Yeah. Hmm. What about Monstrous? Would you consider that fantasy? Yeah, I guess. It's, not, it's, yeah. it's sounding like there hasn't been any long-running fantasy series. There's been, it's, what I about guess Die? it's kind of hard to do epic fantasy. What about Die? I yeah. guess that's fourth wall breaking. Well, that's, yeah, yeah in a sense. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, what about Saga? Do you consider Saga fantasy? No. More sci-fi? Fantasy? I mean, I guess it does qualify, but I see more of a sci-fi angle to it. How about Coda? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fantasy. Super. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's recent. Yep. Well, relatively. What was it, 2018? Yeah, I'm just, yeah. yeah. So. Yep. And I, and think, um, I think we're going to be surprised with The Last Barbarians. Over at uh, a blaze. They're just the barbarians. Is it, is it the last barbarians? I thought it was just barbarians. It's on the cover of the damn previews. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. I looked at them upstairs. There, there's oh. there's a hint that Conan may be one of the. Yeah, a hint. How <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't understand how they're going to have Conan and Cull in the same book. They're they're what literally they're it's literally thousand years apart. It's a blaze. More. Bro, Conan was just in the Avengers for two years. Right. I mean, yeah. that's which is why, which is why Blaze's email was like, "Oh, and 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 you'll never guess this hero that uh, that was recently seen in the pages of Marvel Comics." Like, <laughs> really, bro? Really? I don't, um, how did I think about it? Would um, would Dark Knights of Steel? I, it's 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 a fantasy mm. setting, but it's like it doesn't really fall within. It's still the the. The base is obviously still the superheroes that we grew up with, so it's yeah. I, I, I I'm I I hesitate to lump it in, even though it's swords and sorcery. I I, I wouldn't necessarily pigeonhole it as, as fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. That went in strange and and uh, <laughs> unknown directions. Mm-hmm. What is happening? Oh, I have, okay. So. Um, why ducks for the album art? Oh, <laughs> I uh, actually had that conversation with Jason as I was prepping for uh, when I was drawing it. I, I asked him to show me all the album art from previous years just to make sure I wasn't stepping on anyone. <laughs> and nobody had done ducks. No. And I mean, we were like, dogs for, last for year, so times? this is great. Yeah, yeah. So, but for how many times Vince and I believe you too, David, have 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 talked about the Good Duck comics? Yep. Uh, it surprised me that nobody has done 
the the Duff Bros. And so I made eleven a quack. And, and <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Jason has been coming around on the ducks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the ducks are always one of those things we all have them where when I do read them, I'm always like, this is great. But it's never something I seem to like to prioritize when I'm when I'm on my own of my own volition, you know. But uh, not because I don't enjoy it when I do read it. Right. I think it's a it's just a, an amazing album uh, art. I love it. the the oh, yeah. The expressions, the the colors, wonderful too. I hope you I, you like what I did with it. Uh, I just overlaid the um, the logo on the top with a a yellow band. It's just a. I hate it. I, uh, <laughs> that, that was you great. His artistic, uh, that was the that was the best. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Can I use that as a sound bite? Please do. Forevermore, the EOC. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Bye, John Cimino. But uh, I was going to say, uh, John, John Cimino so much, so much got more him. mentions today than he's gotten in a long time. He is probably burning. Yeah. A uh, shout out to Caleb, though. I feel like Caleb knew what I was thinking with putting the microphone in front of Vince because I was, this is completely honest, I was tempted to put La Blue Girl on your shirt, Vince. Oh, nice. Uh, that. <laughs> that, that would have worked. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I have that on a busted ass v- VHS tape. I bought it um, on the streets of New York City. I can't tell you when. Long, long, long time ago. I still have it. I just don't have anything to play it. But yes, I do have La Blue Girl on VHS. We are. Let's not, let's not talk about busted, busting, and La Blue Girl in the same sentence. <laughs> we are creatures of habits. All right, awesome. So, is, is there any corner, dark corners we didn't traipse into? Oh, I think we're good, man. Future yeah. projects, D and D, comics we're reading, <laughs> La Blue Girl. We covered everything. All right. Well, you heard it from the man. Uh, Please uh, give a couple of shout-outs to our patrons because they're the ones that made this possible. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. You talked before about uh, comics that got us excited and get us happy and and just uh, exude emotion. Well, I read something today that did just that. I think you all read it too. Mm-hmm. It's from Dark Probably. Dark Horse. Uh-huh. I I love it when a Dark Horse book, uh, you know, leaps into the my my consciousness because aside from the 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 usual suspects, uh, it's few and far between when Dark Horse manages to connect with me on like a um, an unknown project, and this is one of those. So it's awesome. It's written by Kyle Starks. Drawn by my man, my man, my dude, Peter Kowalski. And uh, Vladimir Popov did the color. It's called Where Monsters Lie. John, have you uh, gotten the lowdown on this? No, but I'm hearing about it for the first time now. I think it's one of those stray dog type concepts that's like, why has no one thought of this before? Mm. It is a gated community. It's called uh, Wilmhurst. 
a gated community of serial killers. Their um, their needs are provided for. Um, they're of course they're 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 clothed and they're fed and they have roofs over their heads. Um, their uh, killing sprees are funded by someone, and uh, in exchange for a body count, they have to do what they do. Um, <laughs> the the one part just made me laugh out loud. There's a bunch of serial killers in attendance. There's an older woman named Zell. Uh, Jason, as the puzzle man, was at the head of the episode. But there's a there's a serial killer named Fuckmaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. And and he wears <laughs> a a raggedy old teddy bear on his head, and he has this blank stare. Uh, seems to be very touched in the head. Um, and but there's also uh, a serial killer named Richard, <laughs> and Richard's a clown. So there's there's a meeting of of the the serial killers, and uh, the uh, Richard the clown has to sit near the what's his name um, fuck uh, fuck master, and he says. The clown now says he freaks me out, man. <laughs> like when you, <laughs> when a, I hate sitting when, next to this guy. Yeah, when a clown, somebody freaks out a clown, you know you're in dangerous territory. But uh, the thing starts off with um, a bunch of kids fleeing the puzzle master uh, because he messed up. Puzzleman. A puzzleman, and gets uh, to this um, this old woman, Zell. They they plead to her with her for for help, and of course she's in on it and and destroys the like sticks a big old a giant knitting needle looking thing into this kid's chin up through his eye and it, it just descends from there like it is crazy how novel this thing is. I loved every bit of it, and it, again it's on the the uh the level of stray dogs where it's like holy crap why has no one thought of this one of the kids initially gets away and that may spell the doom for this gated community because uh there's a uh, a special agent who seems to revel in uh trailing these these despicable peoples uh what's his name special agent connor hayes and the the survivor comes into the 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 police uh, uh, interrogation room. Yeah, and he's just like, "This is what happened." And there's this big guy. He's got hair in front of his head. And the special agent's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait a minute. Tell me more about this." And at the end of the issue, the police pull up at their gate, and you know they want they want to know more. So dun dun dun. I loved it. I thought it was just absolutely amazing. Um, I love Kowalski's work. Uh, always have. And this is just more of the same from him. He he crafts a beautifully uh, immersible story, a reality. I could just sink into this thing, and it just feels real. And if you're giving me a, a serial killing clown, like it's Captain Spaulding all over again, uh, and I I'm there. I, it's only going to be like four issues, I think. Hopefully, it'll it'll turn into something else. But uh, I'm I'm in. What yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, Kyle Starks is is one of those creators where I'm in for all of it at this point. 
because he's never gone done me wrong. So, you know, I mean, Sex Castle, Trigger Keaton, Assassination. I hate this place. Rock yeah, Rock Candy Mountains. Yeah, yeah. Mort Attacks. So, like, he's he's just I just you know, humor is very subjective. It's it's much more subjective than other types of stories. And so, I I always think that when you make a humor book, it's it's a it's it's a it's a it's a daring endeavor because you're going to appeal to a smaller group of people theoretically than you could appeal doing another genre. So I always give people credit when they do humor. Um, you know, I, but, but with Kyle, I, it, his humor just clicks with me. I, I find him incredibly funny and, uh, and this is no exception. Uh, I'm with you hundred percent. I thought this book was going to be a, a blast and it's, it looks like it's, I, the only thing I'll say without spoiling is I, I, I was surprised it escalated to the point that it did by the end of the first issue. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah, but I guess to your point, Vince, it's it's only four issues, so I guess they gotta they gotta get to fucking as they say. So wow, I wouldn't I say it like are, that, but, okay. but I get you. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Oh yeah, because you're so you're you're so demure, <laughs> such a prude. <laughs> yeah. I I also get um, uh, some people may think this is a. Uh, uh, would be a detriment, but I get a Rob Zombie feel from the book too. Oh, a hundred percent. Like Firefly, Firefly family, yeah. Yeah, you got that. And I, I, I hate the hillbilly cannibals and yeah. Oh, diarrhea in a traffic jam, though. That's uh, nobody wants that. Nobody new, wants that. new. Been there, done that. Not pleasant. Oh my god. What is happening? Anyway. <laughs> um. So way, way, way back in the day, and whenever I can rescue them from back issue, Ben, I will. But I. I'm a huge fan of uh, the DC dollar comics from the late 70s and, and early 80s, whether it's World's Finest, Batman Family, or even the Superman Family. And the Dawn of DC action comics is kind of reminiscent of that because it's pretty much an anthology. Um, you got the main story, which is focused on the current Superman and the family of elves. There's a backup feature with them, which takes place after... Uh, the convergence with uh, young John um, and 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 Clark and and Lois living out west, um, and then there's a Power Girl and Omen slash uh, the former Lilith from the Teen Titans um, have have a uh, have a story as well. But um, I thought the, the 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 main story focuses on. Uh, like I said, on on Superman, and it's um, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Rafa Sandoval, which doesn't really look like the Sandoval that that that, that I've seen um, over the past couple of years. Uh, Matt Herms on colors and uh, the, the events leading up to the recent Action Comics one thousand fifty. Um, now that Luther is behind bars, um, Metallo is the current um, threat, and Luther's pulling his strings. But there, are, there are some really neat moments in this issue where you pretty much have everybody chilling at uh, at the Kent's apartment. Um, there's there's Supergirl. There's Connor Kent. There's John, there's um, Caden, the the Superman of of, of China. You've got uh, the Irons as well. Um, looks like Clark and and Lois get into some kinky things when when they're 
Home Alone, which 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 was a pretty funny page. But um, I, uh, it, it's you're getting basically all the supers, as far as I can tell, um, in this main story, and uh, and and I'm definitely here for that. The um, if there's anything that I that that, that kind of just made me head tilt like I'm a dog is, is the, the Lois and Clark story. Um, the fantastic art by Lee weeks, of course, written by Dan Jurgens. which, you know, if you're going to have somebody write Superman, that that's, that's great. I do feel, I said this on the slack that, um, when it comes to young John, John at this age, nobody can touch Peter Tomasi. So I would have loved to have seen him write this tale, but it's still fine. Unfortunately though, it does pick up, um, from the events from that uh, Doombreaker 30th anniversary Death of Superman story, which wasn't all that hot. So um, this picks up right after that. And we'll see where things go from there. Um, and the uh, the Power Girl and, and Omen stories written by Lee Williams, art by uh, Marguerite Spage. And it's um, looks to be like an all-female creative team minus the group editor but um the art had kind of a um water slash um phil noto feel but um that's not what i paid to see so it's 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 neat to see these characters that kind of grow because it looks like they're kind of maybe retconned power girl smidge um but uh and then she has a new slightly new costume now but overall i think um as far as where action comics is going i'm 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 pretty happy so in your travels 1051 1051 is uh is a pretty solid jumping on point if you weren't reading any of the uh superman interaction stuff before now but uh you're kind of getting in on the ground floor with this so yeah in your travels action comics respect respect uh, I'm going to stick with the big two as well for my inner travels. Um, Sins of Sinister, uh, number one. It's it's really, I don't know why they say number one. It's uh, it's a one shot that starts off the event. Um, so uh, it's more of a one shot than a number one, but nevertheless, uh, it's written by Karen Gillen, who's helming the event, uh, drawn by Lucas Warneck, who's been one of the two main artists on Immortal X-Men. Um, and this is this has been building for the entirety of Kieran's run in the mutant verse. And um, as you can gather from the title, this is about how sinister makes his gank move and uh, his big play. Uh, he's been machinating from the very start of Krakoa uh, and, uh, and he, he plays all his pieces and, um, and that, that this issue lays all that out in spectacular style. It's, it's like with one part mutants, which, you know, I love it's one part invasion of the body snatchers, which, as we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, I love, and I know Vince is a fan as well. And uh, and it's uh, it's just fantastic. Uh, and then you got to sprinkle a little uh, a little little Groundhog Day, um, Bill Murray style for for uh, for those who are into that. So like the whole thing is just uh, it sounds a little crazy, but but you get in in Kieran's very deft hands, he executes it perfectly. And you're reading it, and you're like, "Oh man, of course, Sinister's going to do this. Of course, it makes sense." Um, and it it sets up what what even Marvel's comparing to Age of Apocalypse, which is still to this day one of my favorite uh, X Men 
uh, eras. And uh, this is a much tighter, tighter than Age of Apocalypse. It's it's basically going to be three months where they they're taking three of the titles and and flipping them on their heads. So you've got uh, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants one through three, Nightcrawlers one through three, and Immoral X Men one through three. And then there's a an end cap. Um, uh, Sins of Sinister Dominion, a final issue, but uh, but in essence, those three books look at this 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 post sinister takeover uh, of of the world. So one of the books is going to look ten years into the future, one looks a hundred years into the future, and the other looks a thousand years into the future. Um, wow. Which is uh, yeah, which is which is again to 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 Kieran's credit is playing off the same ideas we got from Hickman. Uh, in the earliest days of of Hawksbox. So I love that there's that continuity going on. But uh, yeah, super stoked. I think Warneck is a beast. I believe he's one of Marvel's, whatever they call them these days. The Stormbreaker? Yeah, the Stormbreakers, thank you. They used to call them the Young Guns, now they're the Stormbreakers. A much more apt title since most of the Young Guns were like in their 40s. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how old Lucas is, but he doesn't look like he's very... He looks like he's he's grown-ass man. So um, yeah, so no, I think it's, it's really, really a, a fun start. And... Uh, I've always thought Sinister was a cool villain, but it's 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 nice at least for now to see a villain winning. Now, of course, this is comic, so I'm sure he ultimately won't win. But it looks like right now he's 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 definitely got the upper hand. It's pretty cool. So there you have it. Sweet. You got any in your travels for us? I think I have a. I think so. It's a. Nice. It's a couple of anime though, guys. Is that okay? Of course, sure. All right, so I've got. Uh, uh, show on Prime Video and one a movie on Netflix. The Prime Video one, you guys might be familiar with it. It's called Chainsaw Man. Nice. <laughs> well, over here, in, in, over here, it's on Hulu. But yes, right. <laughs> Chainsaw Man is a hyper violent, uh, hypersexual. It's not quite uh, R eighteen, but it's pretty adult. It's pretty out there. And the best comparison for it is a. Uh, it's a Tarantino anime, I feel. <laughs> uh, I feel like Vince has already covered the manga for it, but so I'll just say that I highly recommend it if you like things like Lobo. And if you if you are not very familiar with anime, I, I recommend that. And then the other one is an animated film on Netflix called, uh, what is this? Drifting Classroom. Not <gasps> nice. Drifting, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, oh. I'm sorry. Drifting home, not drifting classroom. Oh wait, I think cla- <laughs> yeah. just had him. Drifting, drifting home? classroom is a different thing. You yeah, very. Yeah. Drifting home is a uh, think Goonies, except uh, meets Spirited Away. Yeah. So, I know Jason is not a huge Ghibli fan. From, from I love Jesus. Ghibli. What? No, you got that wrong. I love, I love, I love Miyazaki. I distinctly remember you saying, and I agree with you, I distinctly remember you saying Mononoke is a piece of shit. And that is not true. <laughs> wow. Not true. You misheard. No, no, no. That's actually not true. I watched Mononoke with my kids and my wife, and they make fun of me all the time because they don't understand what I liked about it. They all uh, they all disliked it intensely. And to this day, when I bring up Miyazaki, are... they're like, oh, Mononoke, like that piece of crap. And I'm like, you guys hurt my heart every time you say that. So no, wow. that's, 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 you, The Wood family is anti-Miyazaki. The Wood family is anti-Miyazaki. I am very much pro-Miyazaki. Oh, I see. Wow. I got to you... say, though, Mononoke is my least favorite Ghibli. Nice. I love the art, but it's barely a story. It is anyway. barely a story. I'll give you that. But, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to besmirch the, the Miyazaki. Thanks. Uh, if you like Goonies, 
and uh, you know that general vibe and if you enjoy spirited away uh they combine those two concepts together it's a group of kids that get lost in the spirit world in drifting home if you're not oh. afraid of if you're not afraid of feelings uh watch that that sounds great yeah oh, it looks so great yeah the, the, pull, i'm looking at it right now yeah the goonies part doesn't yeah. sound great but the rest of it sounds great uh, yeah <laughs> do that it's, it's more goonies it's more is, like stand by me okay good that's better yeah because Goonies is Garbo. Bro. <laughs> that ain't right. <laughs> that ain't right. That ain't right. <laughs> A lot of things were said tonight that's not right. That's true. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's to be spitting. All right. Uh, hey, John, we got to thank you for being here. Uh, it was you. It was such a pleasure. And people, if you haven't yet, get yourselves out there and start reading Urban Animal. Um, and I'm going to get links for, um, everything and put them in the, the, uh, the show notes. You can just click on it. You don't even have to do any work. It's, it's effortless and uh, do it. Um, so please everybody get yourselves out there, read Urban Animal, uh, buy some comics, kiss your loved ones, eat something good and say good night. I can't reach my phone. Jason doesn't like it anyway. So um, we'll just say, David. Good night. It's not very challenging this week. I'm sorry. No. It's nice. <laughs> David. Good job. Okay. Hey, good job. I try. John, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate you coming on. And uh, thanks, dude. Best of luck to an amazingly busy but hopefully uh, fruitful year. Absolutely. Thanks, dude. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Yay. I'm going to step away for lunch with the wife. I love you guys, and I'll keep listening. All awesome. right. Be well. That's it for that one. <laughs>